0: The first reading is from Psalm 119. Deal bountifully with your servant so that I may live and observe your word. Open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I live as an alien in the land. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your ordinances at all times. You You rebuke the insolent, Accursed ones who wander from your commandments, take away from me their scorn and contempt, for I have kept your decrees. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your decrees are my delight, they are my counselors. The word of the Lord.
1: I invite you to remain seated for the reading of our gospel from John, the ninth chapter.
0: As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, Rabbi, who who sinned, sinned, this this man man or his parents, parents, that that he he was was born blind? Jesus answered,
2: Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world.
0: When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him,
2: Go, wash in the po- pool of Shalom.
0: Shalom means sent. Then the blind man went and washed, and came back and able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? It is he. No, but it's someone like him.
1: I am the man. But they kept asking him.
0: Then how were your eyes opened?
1: The man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and I washed and I received my sight. Where is he? I don't know.
0: They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how
1: he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. Then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. How can a man who is a
2: sinner perform such signs?
0: And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man,
1: What do you say about Jesus? It was your eyes he opened. He is a prophet.
0: The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them,
2: Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?
0: We know know that this is is our son, and that he was born blind, but we we do not not know how it is is that now he sees, nor do we we know who opened opened his his eyes. Ask Ask him,
2: him. he He is is of age, he will will speak speak for for himself.
0: His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue.
1: He is is of of age. age. Ask him.
0: So, for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind, and they said to him,
1: Give glory to God. We know that this man
2: is a sinner.
1: I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see.
2: What did he do to you?
1: How did he open your eyes? I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then the Pharisees reviled the blind man, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, you do not know where he comes from. Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the the one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us?
0: And the Pharisees drove the man out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said,
1: Do you believe in the Son of Man? And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I might believe in him. You
2: have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he.
0: Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus.
2: I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Surely we are not blind, are we? If you were blind, You would not have sin, but now that you say, we see, your sin remains.
1: The Gospel of our Lord.
0: Praise to you, you, O Christ. Thank
1: you. Thank you to our narrator and Jesus and the parents and the disciples, and the Pharisees. I hope uh, the reading in that manner brought it alive for you a little bit more. Grace and peace to you from God and our Savior Jesus. Amen. One of our human flaws is living with our eyes wide shut, and I'm guilty of it. I admit that I am often wrong, yet seldom in doubt. How do we find focus for clear vision so that we can live with our eyes wide open? It's a perfect topic for today. This Sunday is Daylight Savings, where we have lost an hour of sleep, and throughout the day, we will struggle to keep our eyes wide open. Our psalm gives us direction with the gospel reading offering an illustration of how to open your eyes. The portion of Psalm 119 is extremely practical. Alan Ross, in his commentary on the Psalms, wrote specifically about Psalm 119, verse 18, stating it is one of his favorite verses. He believes it is worthy to be stenciled on a piece of an old barn door door, or put on Instagram. It's that good. The psalmist makes a request to God, open my eyes, so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. The request here is literally to uncover his eyes so that he's able to fully see. The psalmist realizes how easy it is to go through life with his eyes wide shut. He asks God to remove from his eyes anything that would keep him from seeing wonderful things that are found in God's law. Remember that law is better understood as instruction. The Hebrew word Torah indicates a a body of instruction used to teach a pupil. Wonderful things reflects a term that is normally used to describe the miraculous acts of God. This term is not limited to miracles, but refers to anything that could only be accompanied by God. This is clearly a metaphor, but the meaning lies in understanding and discernment. It is one thing to read scripture, but it is quite another to understand it. I'm often asked why there is so much disagreement regarding theology and various biblical interpretations. The answer is rather simple. Personal sin blinds the reader from understanding and discerning the text, looking at scripture with our eyes wide shut. The psalmist is asking for God to intervene on his behalf and remove anything and everything that would inhibit his ability to understand and discern God's acts from past, present, and future. And in doing so, we miss the redemptive, liberating, saving, rescuing acts of God throughout history. What I'm getting at is not necessarily that only a sinless person can understand the Bible, but that we often come to the text in an inherently sinful manner. Anytime we come to the text in order to prove presuppositions that we already have, we're likely to find whatever it is we're looking for. We come to the text rooted in pride and ignore everything that contradicts our presuppositions. Another request from the Psalmist is that God would rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from God's commandments. This is just one small example of the many wonderful things found in God's instruction. Those who are bursting with pride, those who are cursed are those who are cursed, those who look at God's law as black and white imperatives will receive God's rebuke. I would argue this should also include religious leaders. Who believe they alone talk for God. Like the religious leaders in our gospel message, make judgments forgetting about the redemptive, liberating, saving, rescuing acts of God throughout history. An appropriate response to scripture should be one that gives all glory to God and thus must depend on God alone. All of our own desires, our opinions, wants, and worst of all, our judgments should not get in the way and cloud our eyes from truly seeing God's acts in this world. A contemporary contemporary translation to this portion of Psalm Psalm 119 is to ask the following questions when facing adversity or controversy. First, have you prayed about it? We always start with prayer. It sets our hearts and our minds to receive that which we are seeking from God. And next, am I asking God to change my circumstances or change my heart that might that it might glorify God? We often turn God into like a vending machine. You, you know, this is what I want, A12. Please give it to me. When that's not how God works. God is about changing our heart and our lives. What wonderful promises of God are in the Bible that would help inform my response to this trial. That's why I really encourage us to read one of the Gospels in full. And so we are now just finished chapter 9 of the 20 chapters of John that we started back on January 2nd. We'll continue through um, Easter. And I encourage you, if you have not already, uh, know that there are Bible studies available—a women's Bible study on Monday mornings at 9 a.m. and then our Wednesday evening Bible study at uh, six from six to 6:55 during Lent—and come and understand the Scriptures and share the conversation with other members. And then, do I know the Bible well enough to be informed by it? Often we just paraphrase and. Uh, pick the verses that we want instead of knowing the full story? And do I actually desire to know what the Bible says? Or do I just want confirmation regarding my own desires? Because we can do that quickly. You can make the Bible almost say anything. But what is the full story? These questions are meant to get to the heart of the matter. Each answer ultimately should seek to glorify God. And the ultimate question is how can we know what brings God glory? This inward contemplation always corresponds with an outward expression. Contemplating the word of God brings both insight and delight. That's what happened in our gospel reading. Our old beliefs are questioned. Consequences due to immoral behavior are identified. A person who has spent his life in the shadows is healed. You would imagine that healing of this person would bring celebration. However, it led to controversy and condemnation. The disciples seek focus with their initial question in verse 2, and they demonstrate, if you don't understand something, the best thing you can do is ask a question. The worst question is the one you never ask. But they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This reflects that old traditional belief between the relationship of an illness and sin. However, in John's gospel, sin is is not a moral category about behavior, but a theological category about one's response to the revelation of God in Jesus. How Jesus responds to opening up their eyes so that they may behold wondrous things out of God's law. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The blind man makes no request to be healed. Yet Jesus used the healing power of clay made with spittle to give the man sight. This was a popular element in healing stories in the Greco-Roman world. The blind man's journey goes from physical blindness to spiritual sight. The reader is able to watch as someone comes to light and embrace this new life. The progression of the blind man's faith as it begins is he first acknowledged Jesus simply as a man who healed him. And when pushed further, he says, well, he's a prophet. And then pushed even further, he says, he's a miracle worker from God. And finally, after Being greeted by Jesus after being dismissed by the religious leaders, the blind man declared, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. This progression marks a deepening of the man's gift of sight, from physical to spiritual and theological sight. His eyes are wide open. The Jewish authorities' journey is in the opposite direction, from physical sight to spiritual blindness. The reader is able to watch as they close themselves from the light and place themselves under judgment. Their eyes are now wide shut. They refuse to open their eyes so that they may behold the wondrous things of God's law. The authorities had positioned themselves as judges over others, and Jesus points out that those who speak judgment against another are really convicting themselves. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read, Why do you you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Jesus knows that the religious leaders are blind to the truth unless they allow God to open their eyes to the redemptive, liberating, saving, rescuing acts of God throughout history. The Pharisees trust their sight, unable to see God as Jesus. This marks their sin. While the blind man embraces Jesus as the Son of Man, and it marks his salvation. It is the blind man, not the religious authorities, that follow the psalmist's questions. Questions we should remember to ask during any adversity or controversy, any difficulty we face. And we've had a few in the past couple of years. Two years ago is when the shutdown occurred for COVID. How many natural disasters have we faced? over these two years with the fear of the world coming to a climactic end. And then we had racial and civic and political unrest in our country. And now a war in Ukraine. So many people, they look at the Bible and they they go, this has to be the end. This is the story of Revelation. Revelation. And then I remember Martin Luther's words when he was asked, what would you do if you knew the world was going to end? It's attributed to him as saying, I would plant a tree. Here at St. Luke's, we will do the same to kick off our 100th anniversary, is to plant a tree for those who will come after us. Those who are not here yet can find shelter in its shade. So when you hear these things, go back to those questions. Have you prayed about it? Am I asking God to change my circumstances or change my heart that I might glorify God? What wonderful promises of God are in the Bible that would help inform my response to this trial? Not nitpicking the verses you want to make it say what you want it to say, but the fullness of the story. Do you know the Bible enough to do so? And do you actually desire to know what the Bible says, or will you simply use it to confirm your point of view and your opinions? Remember, every one of our answers to these questions are to glorify God, who throughout history, during the good and the bad times of his chosen people, was redemptive and liberating saving and rescuing them and us along with all humanity. Open our eyes wide so that we may behold wondrous things about God's law, glory and the salvation of all humanity through Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.